Amen. Thank you so much, Colleen, for that. That was great. Praise the Lord. It's good to see all of you here today. Half C. That joke's never going to get old for me, sorry. Um, it's good to have you all here. Uh, just a couple quick announcements before we jump in. Uh, I kind of, we got a week off because of not having worship a couple weeks ago, so what you have published here, Matthew 7, 13 to 14, that's actually going to be next week, next week's message. Today, uh, we're going to back up just a verse to uh, verse 12, so just didn't want you to wonder why we had something printed different than what we had up there. So um, Matthew 7, 13, 14 next week, but you get a preview, so isn't that cool? Um, also, just want to thank every single person that came out and helped last night at the ladies' tea. Oh my goodness, I heard such wonderful things about that. I wasn't, for some reason, invited, but that's okay. Uh, I heard wonderful things about that ladies' tea, and I just want to thank everybody that contributed to it. I uh, heard we had a good room full of people. Uh, we had some great guests up here uh, doing some talking and doing some playing, so just want to thank each of you that supported that. Uh, also, today, after service is over, we're going to have our final EDGE meeting of the year. Uh, that, that's all our K-12 through and our helpers, and we're going to go from 12 to 1.30. We've got a carry-in and just some games planned. Uh, we're just going to have a, a, a nice little lazy way of ending the, the year together, so wanted to announce that. This Thursday, National Day of Prayer Service, 9 a.m. If you can be here for that, we'd love to have you. We'll be meeting in the fellowship hall. We've got a several congregations involved in that service so if you can be here for that and i believe that's i believe that's all we have this morning it's family sunday so we have no children's church but if you've got your bulletin open by any chance if you don't you can go ahead well i can't say that see that's 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 one of those times where you read your script and it doesn't match so let's try that again um this morning, if you look at the title on the screen, let's go about it that way, you might see this golden sermon. You might see this golden sermon up there, and if you read that, please don't think about your preacher, well, so much for being our humble servant. I see what he thinks of this message. No. The reason why we're going with the golden sermon has to do with the fact that we're centering in on one verse of Christ's Sermon on the Mount, and in fact, it's probably the most well-known from the entire text, isn't it? Like, if you were to just name a verse off the top of your heads from this section of Scripture, it might just possibly be Matthew 7, verse 12, often referred to as the golden rule, right? often referred to as the golden rule. It, what's the golden rule? Maybe if you're not familiar with it, despite what you may have heard, the golden rule is not he who has the gold makes the rules. That's not it. What's the golden rule? Many of us probably have a translation of it by heart, but read verse 12 with me now. Jesus says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. And that's it, right? That's short, short and sweet. We can all go home now. No. Many of us are probably more familiar with the phrasing of the golden rule as it's found maybe in the uh, NIV Bible. We've heard this often. Uh, so in everything due to others, which you would have them do to you. Of course, we're using the English standard up here as usual. 
And interestingly enough, although the golden rule comes from the Lord to his people in the New Testament here, it's actually a rephrasing of Leviticus 19.18. It's actually a rephrasing. Leviticus 19.18, the Old Testament. The Lord has already told his people how to treat others. This wasn't the first time it showed up. Leviticus 19.18, just exactly the same as they treat themselves, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. So it's no wonder Jesus wraps up his statement in our text this morning by saying, this sums up the law and the prophets. We've heard this before. And Jesus says this again in another section of Scripture, Matthew 36, 37 to 40. He's speaking of the greatest commandments from the law. What were they? What were they? Love God, love others, right? So loving God by loving others, this is what the golden rule, do unto others. It's what it's all about. It sums up everything. All of it sums up all of it. And how many times have we heard this statement? How many times have we heard the golden rule or statements similar to the golden rule in some way, shape, or form, right? Uh, many have been influenced to quote this uh, biblical mandate to do unto others. Some folks have, have turned it on its head a bit. Many of the, the world's religions outside of Christianity even practice a sort of non-interference with one's neighbors as a part of their faith. So does Star Trek. That's not where I'm going this morning. The Chinese philosopher Confucius borrowed similar language from Leviticus, as did Jesus, several hundred years before Christ even, when he said, what you do not want others to do to you, do not do unto others. Sound familiar? Socrates said something similar as well. Again, the source, Leviticus. Hinduism says this is the sum of duty. Do not do to others what would cause if done to you. Buddha is quoted as saying, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. And ironically enough, even a familiar platitude of pagan religion goes, as it harm none, do what ye wilt. Hmm. They must all be the same religion, right? What's the difference with Jesus? What's the difference with Jesus? As one commentator notes, the difference with Jesus, the golden rule and the old Levitical command to love others has been phrased, it's been restated, misquoted by these other guys and religions that, to reflect a kind of passivity to others. Where the world says, refrain from doing, you might notice here, Jesus says, do. Jesus says, do, it's a big difference. Commenta uh, commentator notes the Eastern religions, the world religions say it's enough to hold your negative behavior in check, right? That this makes you quote unquote golden to some extent. But Jesus, Jesus tells his followers to act, to instead get busy acting positively. The commentator concludes, unlike other religious ethical systems, God's people were commanded in both testaments, old and new, proactively love one another. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. Following the golden rule doesn't just mean you refrain from causing heartache. It means showing you have a heart for someone else. The golden rule isn't just about having a, a two-way relationship with someone that's mutually beneficial. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Everybody believes in that, right? 
The golden rule says, I'll scratch your back, and I don't expect you to ever look at mine. And believe me, that's a good thing. To be honest, my back without a shirt scares my barber. I'm kidding. But maybe I'm not kidding. But the golden rule of Christianity is rule of action. So if we're following Christ, we would do well to follow it as such. Whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. Jesus says, do. It's a verb. Jesus says he asks his followers to be a blessing to those around us. And this makes all the difference in the world, right? All the difference in the world. Maybe we're thinking, could following this rule bring on a golden age, perhaps? Wherever did the name golden rule come from? Well, although it's been noted that some 200 years after Christ, the Roman emperor Alexander Severus, this is not the Harry Potter character Severus, by the way. I double-checked that. Alexander Severus uh, adopted the golden rule as a personal motto. Uh, Severus had it displayed on public buildings. He used gold lettering to display it, and therefore Jesus' words became known to uh, many folks as golden. This is one story you may encounter if you investigate the history. Another commentator says, no, Bible translators in the 16th and 17th centuries used a popular saying, the golden rule at that time, to refer to this part of the text because it summarizes what Jesus has to say so well. So some scholars think that the golden rule earned this title shortly after Christ. Some date it more recently than that. Either way, what you and I can remember is that the name, the golden rule itself, was never given by Jesus to refer to this statement, Matthew 7, 12. But you know, if a person was taking notes the day that Jesus was preaching from the mount, they might have had some asterisks, some underlines. They might have gotten out their highlighters if they'd had them. Maybe even used some emoji all over this verse. Matthew 7, 12 is truly worth its weight in gold. For us to hear. Why? Perhaps it's because the golden rule is not a rule that we're, we're always quick to follow, is it? We don't always find value. We don't always find value in it. The late Billy Graham once wrote, although Jesus' words in Matthew 7, 12 seem simple, in reality, they are very difficult to put into action. This is because, he says, we get so wrapped up in our own lives that we fail to see the needs of others. We think of ourselves. Thinking of, of Billy's words here, how, how do you and I regard the others that we come across in our daily lives? Is every social interaction the Lord allows us perhaps an opportunity to put myself in another individual's shoes? Absolutely. Do. It's an action. God has blessed each and every one of us here this morning with such gifts, the human imagination, often the ability to, to empathize with one another. People cross our paths all day long at, at home, in the office, the grocery store. These are opportunities to witness Christ in action because they're opportunities for someone to witness Christians in action. You know, I realize our text this morning is short. The good news is there's not a lot of exceptions happening. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. 
Jesus doesn't say in Matthew 7, 12, around the house, do to others what you'd have them do to you. Jesus doesn't say on a snack break, do to others what you would have them do to you. Jesus doesn't say when you feel like it or when it's convenient, when certain people are watching, when certain people aren't watching. In the, so in everything, Jesus says in the NIV, so whatever you wish in the ESV, which means putting others before yourself isn't just something to do uh, if you're feeling golden or if you're feeling like a hundred bucks. So think with me. How might it change the course of your day-to-day if you, if I, if we were to follow the golden rule for what it's really worth? Maybe some of you already do. I think for some of us, if we consistently, without ceasing, if we were to follow the words of Jesus, if we were to do whatever we wish others would do to us, to them first, that could change the world. This isn't what I mean by that. My father-in-law has a, has a history of buying my mother-in-law power tools for her birthday. It's okay. He'd laugh to hear me tell you this. My mother-in-law doesn't use the power tools she receives, but he knows that when he needs them, they're in the garage with all his other stuff. It works out really well. I'm not saying this isn't brilliant thinking, because I think it is. But this isn't what I mean by doing whatever you wish others would do to you to them. Here's some other scenarios. Let's say your spouse woke up on the wrong side of the bed and snaps at you over breakfast. Do you snap back at them? Do you respond sweetly, sacrificially, doing unto them what you wish they'd do to you and didn't? Ooh, that's a tough one. Some other driver cuts you off in traffic. Do you roll down the window and yell and scream and flash obscenities at them? Or do you, do you just keep on trucking, doing unto them what you wish they'd done to you? It doesn't have to be an example of returning an inconsiderate act or an evil act for a good one, although the Bible does certainly tell us to respond in this manner, 1 Peter 3, 9. But instead, maybe doing to others what you wish they'd do to you means remembering a friend, remembering a, a relative's birthday, anniversaries coming up. This is proactive stuff, right? Maybe this is a good example for you, a good way to start thinking about it. Maybe you know how special your birthday or your anniversary is to you. You know how it makes you feel when, when someone takes a moment and just tells you, you know, for example, happy birthday, friend. That's a small thought, but it can go a long way, right, for some of us? Glad to see you made it around the sun another 365 days, pal. Hey, fella, here's a pinch to grow an inch. Maybe you don't appreciate that one. But consider happy birthday greetings. We, we were talking about this this morning uh, over coffee. It, it, you know, think about it. Happy birthday greetings are social interactions, which social media hasn't even ruined yet, right? One of my favorite features uh, on Facebook is, is the old send birthday greetings function. Those of you who are, who are on Facebook, are you familiar with those? You know, no matter what, I think just about everyone appreciates when someone remembers their birthday, right? Uh, at least an overwhelming majority of people do. I don't think everyone appreciates having their age announced, but most people, I think, appreciate, hey, you know, have a happy birthday. Text, phone call, quick, easy way to do to others. What are some other ways? 
we're not used to thinking this way. What are some ways, some other ways we can actively follow the golden rule as given in the Sermon on the Mount? We start small, right? Start small. Things like birthday greetings. Some of you I know are already quite busy in doing unto others, encouraging one another in this manner. When we follow up after someone has had surgery to see how they're feeling, we're doing unto others. When we take those visitors out to lunch after Sunday worship, we're, we're doing unto others. When we're visiting a couple of new parents with a meal or, or, or a few thousand diapers after new baby arrives, we're doing unto others. Tangible ways. They can go back a long way. This is several years after the fact, but my wife and I still think back fondly to, to our arrival here with you, serving with you at the parsonage. Uh, some very kind folks left a whole lot of uh, goodies for us uh, as a new ministry family on campus, and we still really appreciate that gesture. Filling up someone's pantry is certainly an example of this golden rule put into practice. If you were them, we're not all called to, to pastoral ministry, but if we're Christians, we're called to serve, to do unto others. So let's, let's give this some thought. Let's give this some serious thought this week, brothers and sisters, in your day-to-day -day lives. Which co-worker of yours, you know, which co-worker of yours over the next few days, maybe, could you do unto randomly? You know, not with, with any politics or any strings attached to the scenario, but just to serve God. Maybe, maybe bring them lunch during a busy day. How might you do unto others? Maybe is there somebody in your family, someone in your list of contacts whom you haven't heard from in a long time? Instead of just thinking, you know, as we do, well, it's been a while since I've spoken to so-and-so, pick up the phone, give them a call. Initiate conversation. Initiate connection. Do unto others. It's really easy to follow the golden rule. Every single one of us can do it, right? Here's one for the young people. I, I'm included in that, right? Maybe you think the, the, the older people in your household don't, don't give you the kind of attention you'd like. Uh, maybe you think they're, they're always so busy, you know, they're doing all that grown-up stuff, like putting food on the table and paying the heat bill, that they just don't have time to listen to you. Why don't you listen to them? Do unto others. Grown-ups, maybe you feel the same way about your spouses. They never listen to me. They never give me the attention I want. They never give me the affection I want. They're always so busy. Do unto others, regardless of what they do in return. Amen? What I love about Matthew 7, 12 is it's so small. It's so small. We always think of serving Jesus. We always think of following the words of Jesus, listening to Jesus in, something, in terms of something big, something grandiose that's going to affect uh, half of China, right? We, we wonder when the big opportunity is, is going to come from God to, to, to plant that church or, or stage that revival or, or see that group so grow so big that we got to build a bigger room. But we have the call right here, right now, in very tangible ways within our households, within our church, within our work environments, and out on the field and in the carpool to serve God in a very big way. By thinking small, by doing unto others. Are we being faithful to those whom God has been faithful in blessing us with?
already, right now. You know, it's no secret that, that God's people don't always have the greatest track record of, of thoughtfulness for those around them, right? We talked about this little bit, kind of grazed the surface of it in Sunday school this morning. If you struggle with putting the needs of others first in your spiritual life, if it doesn't come naturally to you, at least you can remember that you wouldn't be the first. Jesus in our text says the golden rule sums up the law and the prophets near, near the presence of those very teachers of the law and those prophets, those Pharisees who'd somehow missed that part. We can bet that those guys heard him loud and clear that day. So the question here today is, are we hearing these words of Jesus? Matthew 7, 12. One commentator notes, not only does the golden rule essentially sum up the teachings of the Old Testament, it also sums up the Sermon on the Mount. Sums up the Sermon on the Mount. When it comes to following the scriptures, I know we will never be perfect, my friends, in this life, but are we golden? Instead of doing also to others whatever we wish that others would do to us, do we place others above ourselves, or do we put ourselves in that person's shoes? Preacher, how do I do that? You might be thinking, I mean, I can't relate to everybody. can't relate to everybody that crosses my path. There are some people who want nothing to do with Jesus, nothing to do with, with coming to church, and I mean, some of these people come off pretty rough, right? How in the world does Jesus expect me to do unto them as I'd like them to do unto me? When it, when it comes to some people, you'd rather just stay away, right? If that's your response, you're absolutely right, I, I don't think Jesus is implying here in Matthew 7, 12, or for that matter anywhere, that treating others the way we'd like to be treated is going to be easy. Here's a question. How does a keeper of the law and the prophets, or one who follows Jesus having fulfilled the law and the prophets, how are law keepers to do unto folks who disregard it? How do we stay golden? Humility. Humility. One preacher shares the following story about the power of humility shown by one lawkeeper, a police officer, to those who are operating outside the law. He writes, By the very nature of the business, L.A. traffic cops receive plenty of complaints about their work. Think on that. Most motorists don't think they deserve a ticket. Each complaint gets documented, gets placed in the officer's personnel fire, file. Excuse me. The preacher continues, but over the past 20 years, Los Angeles Sheriff's Deputy Elton Simmons has made over 25,000 traffic stops and cited thousands of motorists with traffic violations without a single complaint to his record. 25,000. When this deputy supervisor, Captain Pat Maxwell, started looking at Simmons' file one day, he was stunned. All those years, all those traffic stops, all that upholding of the law, reprimanding others, and Maxwell found plenty of commendations for Deputy Simmons, but not a single complaint. The preacher goes on, this was such a shocking story that a CBS News crew was assigned to follow Deputy Simmons in an attempt to learn a secret. How'd he pull this off? Well, first, they noticed right away Simmons, quote, pitch-perfect mix of authority and diplomacy without a trace of arrogance or self-righteousness. Of course, Deputy Simmons hands out plenty of tickets. They just don't come with the standard guilt trip. When asked, Simmons described his approach 
I'm here with you. I'm here with you. I'm not up here. One thing I loathe, he says, is to be looked down upon. I can't stand it. So I'm not going to look down at you. A driver who received a ticket from Simmons agreed. The driver told CBS News, you know what it is? It's his, it's his smile. How could you be mad at that guy? Well, apparently you can't, concluded the CBS News team. Time after time, ticket after ticket, we, this news team, saw Officer Simmons melt away. A polar ice cap of preconceptions about law-keeping and self-righteousness. And his boss claims there's a lesson in there for hard-nosed cops everywhere, unquote. End of story. You know, I think there's also a lesson in the story about this deputy for hard-nosed Pharisees as well. Amen? Are you down here? There's a lot of negativity about Christ church, isn't there? We read about it in the news headlines. We see it reinforced on social media, on and on and on. But believe it or not, brothers and sisters, it doesn't have to be that way. I'm not saying that we're going to create a utopia here on planet Earth, but we can maybe turn a few heads to heaven by doing unto others. Doing unto others in Christian love without the self-righteousness. It's possible to stand up for God's word without knocking down other people made in God's image. It's possible for us to stand up for our faith, not by putting others down, but by building them up. You don't have to personally get along with, relate to, or like another individual to do to them as you wish that they would do to you. You just have to put others before yourself, which is what following Jesus is all about. Amen. Just think. Again, think about these relationships. The relationships within our churches, yes. Also the relationships within our community within our country, in our world, how they could be affected if we consistently put other people not beneath us, but before us. I don't know how, how you are. I, I know how I tend to be. You know, if, instead of, of, of maybe grumbling about that waitress, that server or that bank teller, always such a grouch every time we, we pass into that restaurant or, or drive through. I mean, every time, right? But what if we showed up, not, not, to, not to complain, not to stiff them on the tip, but to bring a smile, some encouraging words, and maybe even a conversation about how their day is going. Just think. Just think. Instead of just mentally acknowledging a, a transportation need with a neighbor down the street and, and talking about it to everybody we come across, what if we were the first in line to take them to the doctor, bring them to worship on a Sunday morning? Just think. Just think. Do unto others. If instead of just turning away, I know that it's tempting, but instead of just turning away the members of that, that cult, that other religion, when they come knocking on our door and laughing about it later to our Christian friends, what if we welcome those people into our houses to sit down and talk about the Lord? Just think. Do unto others. If instead of letting so many unchurched friends and neighbors pass us by in this life at our jobs on the street, knowing full well that a hell awaits for those who don't know Christ, yet never saying a word to these people about the grace of God, what if we did all we could to share the love of Jesus Christ with those folks? All we could. 
Just think. We have a world that's waiting on a Savior. He's misquoted often. We don't have to look at history books. We don't have to look at current events for very long to see that people have destroyed, defiled what God has given us. The self is the problem. What's the solution? The cross. The cross, my friends. We, we can't save others, but we can show them to the one who can. When you get up in the morning, you say, I'm going to follow my Savior to that cross, to that cross all day long. It's not about me, Lord. It's about others, just as it was for you, Jesus. When you put yourself in my place by dying for my sins, what if we truly embrace this attitude, do unto others? I believe the world can recognize this as the solution. They're just waiting to see it. They're just waiting to see it in practice. One psychologist wrote for a, uh, for a writing for a secular publication said this, 2,000 years ago, quote, the philosopher Aristotle made a logical proof that the best way to live our lives is by the so-called golden rule. He explained that if everyone lived by the golden rule, people wouldn't even need governing. We would all just get along nicely without any human authority over us. Wow. This non-Christian source continues, the golden rule is the ultimate empowerment. It is the solution to being a victim because bullying ceases to be a problem. If the entire world lived by the golden rule, there'd be peace on earth, for it's impossible to be living ethically for violating it. Every one of our relationships would always be the ideal. Would always be the ideal. Wow. Because self-sacrifice, because the cross is the only way to live. It doesn't take religion to be nice to people, does it? I, I have some uh, atheist friends. They're extremely good-natured. But it takes the cross to save. It takes the cross to save. By what example do we live? Have you ever heard anyone say uh, something like, uh, you're good, you're golden? Have you ever heard that expression used before? Have you ever wondered where, where this came from? I, I was a little curious when I was working on this uh, message this week, and, but i got to be honest, Google failed me. Apparently this one hasn't caught on for long enough. Somebody must have said we need some new cliches, you know? How's that work? But Google failed me just a little bit this week in finding the origin of your golden. The only thing I was able to find was sort of a, a synonym, which just confused me all the more, uh, uh, another phrase came up, your golden is commonly said to convey something along the lines of, you're good to go. So now I have more Googling to do. But the point this morning is we, we can be obedient to Jesus, confess him as Savior. We can follow him into baptism. That's all good. That's all good. Obedience. The Bible says if we're faithful Christians from here to eternity, We'll live lives that are golden as well. 1 Peter 1.21 For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. If you don't have that noted anywhere please write that down this morning. 1 Peter 1.21 Living golden. Brothers and sisters will you live your life as Jesus has died for you sacrificially for the ones God has placed in your life. Let's pray.
Lord, we, we come to you this morning with, with, with broken and, and busy lives. Lord, we, we have so much vying for that which is rightfully yours. Lord, we look at the cross and we see that which has covered us. Lord, your grace has provided payment for our sins. And what's more, in your example of self-sacrifice, through your death, you've also shown us the way we are to carry on. Lord, help us to live as sacrifices. Your word calls living sacrifices. Lord, there's always other things we could be spending our time doing. But you've come for us. You've shown us how to follow you. Help us to take your call seriously. Help us not to depend on ourselves, but on you. Help us to look around and see a world that's lost and help us to be moved. Moved by your grace. Lord, you've made it so easy for us. But we have to be willing to sacrifice ourselves. Help us to love you to love others, to show this world what your love and grace and mercy are all about. Help others to, to look at us and to see you and so that they may, may be drawn to you. Help us to be people who, who live your commission to go, teach, baptize. Lord, our time here is short. Help us to make the best of it. Help us to do unto others proactively. Above all, I, I thank you for, for that payment that has been made for us on the cross. It is in the name of Jesus I pray these things. Amen. One thing I don't want you to forget about this morning is, again, that call at Pentecost. What shall we do now? Acts 2.38. This is where it all begins. But it's not where it ends. We've been baptized into the, into the death of Christ so that we may live. And we must continue here in this place being faithful. If you have a public decision that you'd like to make this morning, rededicate yourself to Jesus to be immersed into Jesus and begin that journey. Whatever that decision may be, we, we invite you to come forward as, as Brother Gerald comes forward to receive. Someone has paid the price. Will we go on from this place and remember, freedom certainly isn't free. Let's stand and let's sing all about the way Jesus has been good to each one of us in this room.